Welcome to the Unscripted Authentic Leadership Podcast, a podcast we are seeking to lead change while also seeking to understand. We are also here to provide a platform for leaders to come together to unite, develop, and empower other leaders in the areas of business, family, faith, and community. I am your host, Lafayette Lane, joined by my co-host, John LeBron. And we are so excited about this week's topic, handling conflict management. Last week, we had a great discussion with our special guest, guest Amy, Durham about creating a positive work culture. But before we get into the topic, we definitely want to say thank you to all of our supporters. Those of you that are part of our YouTube audience that have subscribed there uh, at Unscripted Authentic Leadership, are, you have uh, subscribed to many of our other social media platforms on Facebook, Unscripted Authentic Leadership. Our Instagram handle is at Unscripted Leadership. You can also join us there on LinkedIn under Unscripted Authentic Leadership. And those of you that may not watch the podcast, but you are a faithful listener, you're part of our listening audience. We are grateful for you. Those of you that stream on our various streaming platforms that you can find our podcast on any major podcast platform. We know um, the major ones is Apple and Spotify and Google Podcasts, iHeartRadio and Stitcher. You can find us on any streaming platform. You'll see our logo there, Unscripted Authentic Leadership. You can listen to our episodes. And while you're there, leave us a review. Leave us a review. Leave us a comment. Share and subscribe and tell somebody else about the podcast. We'll be grateful for it. Last but not least, you can also find and connect and engage with us on our website, unscripted-leadership.com, where not only you can find our podcast episodes, but if you're interested in being a guest you have something that you want to offer the podcast we would love to connect and engage with you we also have some more special things coming that you can find out about there on our website it's time to get into the topic handling conflict management i'm so excited about this one those of you that watch you may have heard us drop a little hint about what we're going to be doing in the month of may about the mental aspect of leadership and um, we're not getting into that this month but i think this this could tie in as well uh, we all have dealt with uh conflict we've all dealt with conflict in some sort some shape form or fashion and i think when we think of um, conflict it, it almost brings a negative connotation which i can understand um that there's two perspectives of conflict i think people look through the lens of um, whether it be positive or negative, but oftentimes it's the negative conflict that often arises in our mind. We get a, a picture of a fight or a disagreement. We know that is all a part of conflict, but there's also another part of conflict that I think as leaders that we need necessary tension. Uh, we need varying and different perspectives. We need different backgrounds and we need different cultures and different opinions for us to strengthen in our areas of whatever context that is whether that be in your business, in your faith, or even in your family, um, we need some level of healthy conflict. Uh, that's what I, I guess I'll say, a, a healthy conflict. And so uh, there can be healthy disagreement. There can be uh, healthy differing uh, various viewpoints and perspectives that you may have. But we know that even in conflict, it's not always uh, something explosive. It doesn't always have to be something that's blown up. Sometimes it's just a, people may have conflicting schedules. You know, it may not work out this week or it may not work out at this particular time. And so we, we weren't able to meet up. We weren't able to accomplish this uh, collaboration because 
we had conflicting schedules. And so it, don't, it doesn't always have to be so, uh, you know, magnanimous. Sometimes it's, it's very micro, very small conflicts that we have a conflict or a class of interest, or we have a disagreement. But the basis of any conflict uh, may vary, but it's always a part of our society. And my God, don't we see that all the time. We see that, especially in our social media or even our regular media outlet and news is that um, our part of our society, especially in 2021, we thrive on conflict. We thrive on disagreement. We thrive on uh, people butting heads and not getting along. And that's what is almost made popular. But mm -hmm. I believe that there's a there's an aspect to leadership that we can use our disagreement. We can use our conflicts. We can use our various different interests and even our various viewpoints. And we can use them to come together and make it a a thing for positive that we can work together and make our workplaces a better place, make our corporations a better place, make our churches, our ministries a better place, and even make our families a better place. John, let's let's establish um, what what your perspective is on conflict as we work toward uh, what conflict is, as we work towards conflict management. I want to set the ground uh, of what conflict is, and then we'll move to the phases of conflict before we get into the conflict management. John, kind of give us your perspective of when you think of conflict, what comes to your mind? Yeah, so I feel like so many of us avoid conflicts, and, and I know we'll get into this in a little bit, so stay tuned for that. Um, but if you think about it, it's not, it's not so much the conflict that is the bad part, it's the handling of the conflict. As you alluded to, it could just be a conflict of schedule or so forth. But I mean, we're always we get so nervous about it. And some people just lose their minds over the fact before the conflict resolution even begins. Right. Yeah. I was told I was taught a long time ago. Don't ever show up to the table with a sword and expect anything but another sword. Right. Uh -huh. Because only the greatest of leaders could do could uh, essentially bring a shield and not try to attack back. Um, basically, so it's always just kind of like show up to discuss, but not um, to battle necessarily. But we do all do it. How many times do you go to return a T-shirt? Right. We've all seen it. Like you go to the store and you're like, I don't know if they're going to return this shirt. So I'm going to show up extra aggressive. So they'll take this shirt back. And then you're in the reality is you walk up. Hi, I didn't need this wrong size. I don't have the tags. And like, OK, no problem. Would you like a gift card? Like, oh. You know, <laughs> and so, um, the, I mean, the conflicts obviously vary, but it's it's not the conflict itself that's the issue because you, you, you have conflicts all through the day. You have a conflict getting out of the house on time. You have you have driving to work. There's all you know, there's drivers that aren't paying attention or on their phone and that brings conflict. So um, I don't see conflict as quite the issue that others do. Um, and I also always remind people that most likely if you just approach the conflict with the right attitude, it's probably going to work itself out and be just fine. It's, it's probably not going to be as big of an issue as you build up in your mind. And we can talk about that in a little bit. But um, we just build up these issues to be so big. And this is what's going to happen. And then it's going to do this. And then we're not going to be friends anymore. And then our families are going to hate each other. And the reality is... You know, you got you, you you showed up and you talked something out, and then you were even better friends than you were before. Because avoiding conflicts just makes things build up on the inside. 
but working through them really helps bond you together. Um, I remember when Lafayette and I were first becoming good friends. <laughs> Do you remember the day I took you out for pizza? Absolutely. Yeah. So we were talking about politics. You know, one of those things they say people should never talk about. Well, we talk about it all the time. Right. And we don't even always agree 100%. We want the same results, but we sometimes see them in different paths. And that's fine. We're, we're great bros. It doesn't matter. You don't have to agree on everything to be brothers and friends, um, which is a key tip there for everybody. Um, but anyways, we were talking about something and um, I remember Lafayette got a little heated. He didn't get mad. He didn't yell at me or anything. I could just tell he was thoroughly irritated and it had nothing to do with me. I just walked away because I knew he was getting frustrated. And then I was like, I think he's mad at me. And so I said, I said, Hey man, let's go get lunch. He's like, cool. We got in the car. We're driving one minute away to this pizza place. I'm like, Hey, are we cool? He goes, Oh yeah, man. You're like a brother. I'm, we're fine. I'm like, okay. He's like, I'm not mad at you. Just the situation. And I remember thinking, Oh good. This is somebody that I can like have a good like brotherhood with because we can disagree on something or not see eye to eye and it doesn't explode. But I belted up my head like, this is a terrible situation. You know what I mean? We're not going to be able to talk anymore. And I'm like, let's go eat and resolve this. And the reality is in his head, there was nothing to resolve. So, yeah, I think that's so good um, about the handling of the conflict, like you said. It's not so much the conflict in itself, it's how we handle it. And it's the buildup. As you said, you know, we have so many, and I've, and I've done it. You assume a person's response. You assume your coworker's response. You assume your friend's response because you guys had a, a different perspective or different viewpoint. And so there are phases of a conflict. And that is one of the first initial phases is the prelude to the conflict. And so you have all these things that have built up before and you almost make a conflict before the conflict even happens based off the assumption. And, and so you bring your assumption into the battle. And so and now the battle is already at an all time high because of an assumption, you know, and it's so easy to do that. And I think we do that for various reasons, you know, because we come from different backgrounds. Uh, different religions, different cultures, different education backgrounds. They all play an instrumental part of the conflict. And so there are phases of the conflict. And I think one of, if we could get the prelude, then our conclusion would end up in a much better place. If we came into it knowing that you and I are two different individuals, you know, and so when you're working with someone on a project or you're working with someone, uh, you're working with your spouse, working with your children, people that are on a different level of how they think and how they do and how they operate. I think if we if we get our prelude right, then we'll be able to have our conclusion be even better. And it, it may not, you know, be peaches and cream all the time, but I think that the outcome would always be a lot better, would turn out much better if we would go into the conflict with a different mindset of, hey, this is not like you gave a perfect example about the t-shirt. The prelude to the to the conflict was you already went with the attitude, they're not going to give me, you know, my refund because I don't have the receipt. That's the prelude right there. You already made up in your mind before you got the target, before you got the calls, that that cashier was not going to work in your favor. And we do that so often and it causes us a world of trouble and we waste a lot of time based off assuming, based off of, um, you know, I'm a Republican, you're a Democrat, and so I assume things. You're a conservative, you're you're a libertarian, you know, you're you're this and you're that. And so we assume things. 
you know, and, and I think that we we talked about this a while back in our unconscious bias series. We talked about simple things that we assume, you know, a, a person that is black because I'm black, I must love fried chicken and watermelon. You know, we assume, and, and, and because of our assumptions, <laughs> it, it leads to conflict. And, uh, you know, because this person is uh, of Oriental descent. Uh, our Chinese, they have to be good at math, are really good in education. That's not always the case. And so because of our assumptions, it leads to conflict and how we handle the conflict is so important because there's phases to the conflict. There's the prelude, but then there is the triggering event. And I, and I, oh, I keep alluding to May because I know we're going to deal with triggers, the mental part of leadership. A lot of the conflict, let's just have an honest moment. It has nothing to do with the other person. Something triggered you that had nothing to do with them. Mm -hmm. There was something in you that you haven't gotten over in your past, that you haven't moved past, you know, that may have hurt or damaged your feelings, your intellect, your emotional well-being. And because of that person may have done something similar to something that someone else did to you before, you take your anger and your and, and so now there's a big old conflict because there was a triggering event that really had nothing to do with the person. And so now we, we're, we're in a place to where, you know, people are not texting each other back. Nobody's calling each other. We can't stand each other. There's an elephant in the room. There's tension on the job. You know, you can't go to their cubicle. You, you're taking a whole nother route to get to your desk at work now <laughs> because, you know, there's been a triggering event. But then there is the initiation phase. This is all building up. This is all building up to the conflict. The initiation phase is when the, the conflict actually has already begun. And so now you're in the heated argument. And, and now the verbal disagreement has, has gone out the window and all type of sensibility has gone out the window because you're in the heat of the moment. Now you're saying things. And some of us, you know, some people are like me. It takes a lot for me to necessarily quote unquote, go off on you with my words. I, I'm a I'm a shutdown type of person, and so if I'm upset, a lot of times I'll just shut down, and that's how a, that's a that's an inner conflict. You know, conflict is not always just verbalized on the outside, but sometimes conflict is internalized, and that can be the most di damaging conflict because those of you that internalize the internal conflict, you know, it's that tipping point. Once you get to that place. You know, look out below. It's a TNT bomb. And so we, we have to we have to learn how to manage this. We have the, the triggering events. We have the initiation phase. But then we have the differentiation phase. That's the phase when the individuals voice out their differences against each other. And so the reasons for conflicts are raised in this differentiation phase. And I think that is a critical point to where if both parties are willing to be sensible and listen, that if you listen to the difference, you can always find some commonality. And I know we've used that example about me and John so many times on the podcast, but but who, who better to use than ourselves? There have been so many times there are differences. We don't always agree on the same thing, but when we voice our difference, we found, hey, there is resolution in the conflict, but the difference has to be voiced first. You know, it may not always come out right. It may not always sound right. But if you take time to marinate and sit with the difference, you can find the commonality. But then here's here's the whole wrap up point moving to the managing. The last phase is the resolution phase. This is the part that we want to get because the whole point of conflict is not to prove who's right or who's wrong. It's to get to a resolution. 
And the resolution, here it is, it will require compromise. That means I don't get all of what I want. You don't get all of what you want. But we come to a place to where we come together and we compromise. We come under, you know, the things that we want to. We lose a little. We may lose a little here. You may lose a little there. But we come to a place of compromise. And the compromise leads us to a place to a resolution phase to now our conflict is actually working in our favor. And so now the company is better because the conflict actually brought out ideas that we didn't think about before. The conflict brought out creativity that wasn't there before. The conflict brought out a whole nother side of perspectives that we didn't have before because we were able to resolution, resolution or bring a resolution phase to the conflict. We were able to resolve. That's what I'm trying to say. We were able to resolve the conflict. And when we move through these phases, that is called conflict management. It is the management of the conflict. It is not the conflict itself that is bad. It is the, the management. The management of conflict is the process by which disputes are resolved. And, and so when you have conflict management, negative results are minimized. They may not always uh, be totally gone altogether, but if you have a process of how you manage your conflict, your negative results will be minimized and positive results will be prioritized. And so now you flip the script altogether. When we have this conflict management, how can we get positivity out of this conflict? And how can we walk away to where negative results are not the main thing that we walked away with? The key to uh, conflict management skills involves using different tactics, depending on the situation, it may require negotiation and creative thinking. And so the key word that really stood out to me about conflict management is that word process. I think we have to sit back and ask ourselves, those of you that will listen, those of you that will watch this, do I have a process in place? Because conflict is unavoidable. So the whole point is not to say, I want to go through life without conflict. That's not reasonable. You will have conflict on this earth. You're a human being because we have differences. There's going to be conflict. So we must ask ourselves, what processes do we have in place that will help us navigate and manage our conflict? It's the process that's the problem, not the conflict. It's the process. John, John talk to us about this whole conflict management. Now that we've, we've established what conflict is and how we move through the phases of conflict, how do we begin to uh, implement this process in our conflict management? You guys remember your tr the goal is not ever to be right. If you're always trying to be right, you can never effectively have conflict resolution, right? The goal is to get it right. Get yeah. it right, not be right. There's a complete difference. If you're trying to get it right, that means your mind is open to discussing things with the other person. Because now you and the other person or group are tasked with resolving things for the sake of getting things right. If you're trying to be right, you're always stuck in justification mode. And you can never 100%, unless you think you're perfect, then you can never 100% get it right. Because even if you're mostly right, they may have a little bit of rightness in there as well, which is probably why the conflict started. 
often when they say it's a compromise and you say, well, no, because my way is right. Your way may be right mostly, but it may not be right 100%. And it typically is not. Um, that's why it's called um, compromise, as you mentioned. Compromise doesn't mean you have to meet 50-50. Compromise means you have to go to the table with how you feel and what you think and be open to their conversation back and be open to their conversation back without escalated voices and extra emotion. Now, I can't say leave the emotion out because that's virtually impossible because we're not robots. That's the only thing I know of that can leave the emotion out and goes straight to the numbers, right? Ones and zeros, the robot, the computer. So you can't leave the emotion out, but maybe your emotions can, you can program yourself to where your emotions go from frustration and anger to love and trust. So now you show up with your emotions are, hey, let's just figure this out and use those emotions instead of I'm right and here's why. And if you don't like it, there's the door. So, um, so anyways, as we move in, I'm, I think you're alluding to conflict resolution strategies, which I don't want to get into all those. I'm going to let you outline that out. Go ahead. But, um, you know, as as we get into the conflict, let's just remember that, um, how do I want to word this? Actually, you know what? Why don't you go into the conflict resolution strategies and I'll just touch on each one because um, I feel like I'm about to ruin them all. But no. guys, just remember, get it right, don't be right. No, that's great. Get it right, don't be right. And, and so we have laid that that foundation of we're, we're in the conflict, we know what that is, the difference and the disagreement. And sometimes that may be tension, that may be awkward, but we have come to the, the realization that we have to manage the conflict. And so we have to have a process in place in order to have an effective process in place, you have to have strategy. You have to have strategy. Um, you have to be strategic in how you uh, go about managing your conflict because really your conflict process is really based upon who you're dealing with. My process of dealing with my conflict with John may not work with the conflict how I deal with my wife because you're dealing with two different people, which means you're dealing with two different sets of emotions, two different sets of mindsets, two different process of how they process. Because the reality is of what I've come to learn is that just because I process information one way, doesn't mean that everyone will process information that same exact way. And so many, so many times that's where the rub comes in, the conflict comes in is because we expect people to receive information the exact same way that we receive it. But the whole point of communication is not for me to get you to receive it the way that I receive it. The whole point of communication, or effective communication at least, is for me to get you to receive the information the way that you can receive it. So I'm not going to explain um, the situation that I'm going through with John the same way that I would explain it to my four-year-old daughter, she's not going to understand because she's not going to, you know, her processing is not, it's different. 
And so the strategy that I have with John I have, is different than with Ladybug. That's my daughter. With Ladybug, my strategy is very different. My tactics is very different. And so it is on my job. When I'm dealing with my individuals at work, my strategy is different. It's different when I go to church and ministry. Still the same person, but I have to have different processes and different strategies in place uh, in order to work and to navigate through those different areas of conflict and tension. And so there are five uh, conflict resolution strategies that I believe some of them are good, some of them are not so good, but I want to cover all of them because I believe that we've all found ourselves in either all five or we maybe have found ourselves in one or two of them. But these are, you can find yourself in one of these five uh, resolution strategies to conflict. The first strategy is avoiding. So easy, right? The person that's hit the road, Jack, and don't you come back no more, no more, no more. You know, that's what that's what Ray Charles said. The one that is that, that that's a flight risk when something comes up, when something goes awry against their sensibilities. The first um, thing for them to do or their first reaction is to simply take off and run. And so you just ignore or you withdraw yourself from the conflict. That's the first one, avoiding. The second resolu resolution strategy is competing. And, and so this is used by people who go into a conflict planning to win. That does not lead you to anywhere. And if you think that you'll feel better by trying to prove your point that you're right, you'll only make yourself look like a fool. Because if the whole goal is resolution, it is not about who's right and who's wrong. And it's not about proving how smart you look or how smart you think you are. You know, this is not a competition. We're not competing with each other in a conflict for me to prove my point. Here it is. Even if you are right, it's not a competition. And I, it's so hard sometimes, even for myself as a person, that I think that I'm an analytical person. You know, it's hard to, things are very black and white a lot of times for me. And so I've learned that it's not about proving your point all the time. It's about teamwork. Teamwork makes the dream work. And I know that's that's kind of an elementary cliche, but it's the reality. You know, it's the simplicity of this resolution that, man, I'm not in competition with you. I'm not trying to, to make you look bad or be condescending in this, in this conflict that we're having to try to prove a point. You know, I'm trying to work with you so we can move on and be better so we can find our way to a solution. And so we avoid, we compete, but then sometimes we accommodate in conflict. Accommodation means that one of us gives in the wishes or the demands of another. Now, there's two different sides that I can see to that. And, I, and John, I, I, I can't wait to hear your perspective on all five of these because sometimes that'll be good, sometimes that'll be bad. It could be good because uh, accommodation, I think, is a product of, of compromise. And when I say accommodation, it's not just what I mean is not 100% um, giving in to what the other person wants. But sometimes accommodation can be negative because some people just want to get out of the conflict real quick. And so they'll just say, you know what, forget about it. I'm to the point where I really don't want to deal with it anymore. And here, you just have your way. When that may feel like you're getting out of the conflict, but that may not be what we need as the resolution for the greater good. And so we need those different perspectives, even if it will take time to work through it. You don't just throw in the towel and, and give off demands. And here it is. Sometimes we give demands and they go against our standards of what we usually would do. They go against our moral compass. They go against our character and our integrity. 
Don't do that just to get out of a conflict. But then fourthly, we have collaboration. Collaborate, collaborating or collaboration is when people are both assertive and cooperative. I think that is a great uh, strategy that we should incorporate into our conflict resolution, our conflict management process is instead of competing, instead of going against each other, even if we don't agree with everything, let's collaborate because it's better if we do it together. You know, uh, one is good, but two is even better. You know, one set of eyes is great, but let's get another set of eyes on this so we can see this from a different perspective. Because when we get another set of eyes and another set of thought process, then we'll, we'll be able to see this from a whole nother perspective that we would have never saw it from if you were just working individually by yourself. Lastly, the fifth um, conflict resolution strategy is compromising. That's when you are partially assertive and cooperative. And so I think that collaborating and that compromising is where we need to be. If we can marry those two strategies together, I think our conflicts will go a whole lot better and our conflicts will go a lot smoother and we wouldn't have to uh, cut off as many people as we, as we think that we need to cut off in our lives uh, because we can't get along with anybody. John, give us your perspective on these five conflict resolution strategies. Yes. That was amazing. I was taking notes. Um, all right. So let's start at the top. Sure. Avoidance. Um, avoiding is typically, you know, when I first heard avoidance, I was thinking like spineless, right? Like mm. I used to always joke, God gave us a backbone, not a wishbone, you know? Um, but caveat, understand which battles are yours. There are times when there are conflicts that are none of your business because we all know people who like to put their nose in other people's conflicts. And that is a prime time to avoid it. Also, I typically live by the um, phrase, if it doesn't matter later, like years from now, it probably doesn't matter now. And I think we all have to understand when there's conflict, whether it's, if it's, I'm not saying let the conflict go, but there are times when it's okay when something happens to you to just let it go. If somebody cuts you off in traffic, just let it go. If, you know, you got the wrong order from the restaurant, just let it go. If it, I'm not saying you can't ever go back, but like for me, if I got a burger and there was ketchup and I don't like ketchup on the burger and I've driven 10 minutes down the road, it's more of a hassle for me to get mad, turn around, go back and scream at the guy who did not do it on purpose. Let's be honest. They don't know who I am. Then it is just to eat the burger. Okay. And I'll be fine. My day will be fine. If I get mad and I turn around and I'm, or I, or I get mad, and I don't go back. And I just hang on to it for a while. The only person that's holding on to that conflict is me. The other guy doesn't know. He has no clue. So there are times when I think the avoidance is appropriate, but not for the sake of hoping the issue just vanishes. It's more for the sake of it's not worth the argument. But it's also dangerous if you're somebody who's just scared of conflict or you're always avoiding situations because I know 
um, I have a family member who's sort of a distant family member who always has his whole life avoided conflict. And the problem is, is I think he thinks that it'll just go away, but they actually build up and they come back later. Not all of them, I'm sure not all of them have, but enough to eventually just life looks terrible because you've never sort of, quote, manned up and handled the situations. You always just kind of tucked and run. Um, so I'm a big proponent of handling all conflicts, but also I tend to, if it's not, if honestly, if it's not important to me, it's really easy for me to just let it go. So there are times to just avoid it, but only, but not for the sake of being scared. It's because it's not important, but don't let things build up. If it's going to bother you, understand it's going to bother you and go address it. So you feel better, but don't just avoid it because you're scared but at the same time you don't have to ram heads with every conflict if it's not important um competing i i, I don't think there's ever a win with that um unless you're playing sports let's put it that way sure <laughs> if there's a competition and there's a conflict there i guess but other than that there's no there's no for the sake of what we're talking about today there's no winning in competing because, like I said, you're just trying to get it right and be number one. And there's two ways to have the tallest building, right? Build yourself up or tear others down. And so uh, if you're competing, you're probably trying to tear the other person down. Yeah. Um, accommodating. One party gives into the other's wishes or demands of, of the, or demands of the other person. Um, I, the same thing as competing. It's almost like the opposite a side of it. I don't, I don't, I'm never, I'm not really big on just, um, you know, one person saying you need to do this or we're not going to have a compromise. Now my favorite, collaboration. I could talk about this all day. You notice Lafayette said um, it's used when people are both assertive and cooperative. Um, in my mind, this brings a natural compromise, which is the next one, because but but the key term is both are assertive and cooperative. How often do we enter a situation and one person is willing to like hey let's talk about this let's let's figure it out no big deal and the other party says no i'm right and they're not changing their mind if that's the situation you're not going to be collaborating but you can't avoid it right so you you have to almost think okay let's go to the next phase because if you could collaborate and come to a compromise that is the best situation in my mind but the next phase would be to compromise. The compromise comes to me when the other party is not willing to sit down at the table with you and talk it out. Even if there's emotions involved, they're just not, they're not here for that. They're here to get past it. They don't want to, they don't like you. That kind of thing, right? We all have the coworkers who you don't get along with them. They don't get along with you. Or maybe they just don't like you. I've had those. I'm like, I don't think he likes me. Why? Not sure. Maybe he thinks I'm arrogant. I've heard that a few times. Um, you know, I never saw myself as arrogant, but some people do. It's all good. I still love them. But uh, I know if there's an issue, they're not really wanting to sit down at lunch with me and talk about it. And that's okay. I don't have any heart, any bad feelings towards them, but it is what it is. So you have to move to the compromise. You have to say in your side yourself, you don't like me. We're not working together. So let's compromise on the situation. So at least we can come to a good conclusion and not hang this on each other. Um, for the next six months. So at least there's no hate in here for us on this. And then you can be willing to come to a compromise. Unfortunately, you won't be collaborating, coming to probably the best conclusion, 
but at least you can come to a decent like uh, answer on the situation and move past it. So there's the there's the four of my number my number one collaborating, compromising, and uh, competing, and accommodating. I don't think ever work for you. Yeah. And, and just the avoidance, just know when to pick your battles. That's that's good. I, I, you brought a different perspective on the uh, avoidance piece uh, for me because I was just thinking about you know this person uh, is a flight risk. Yeah, I'm I'm totally with you. I was I came to mind as you were talking. Yeah. And I thought you know because I was thinking the same thing as you. I was like, what? <laughs> so, you know, that's what I was thinking in my head. Like you big wimp, but so I'm with you. Yeah, that that is so good. I, I think that is so so good that is so good we we don't want you to be a flight risk and always avoid but as john said and, I, and i'm going to come into agreement with that sometimes the best way to manage your conflicts is that to realize that's not my conflict that that blessed me man that, that really blessed me for real that was really good wow 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 Con conflict management conflict management find your resolution strategies mm you know, what works best for you. And you may have more than those five that we didn't mention. You know, those of you that may have some uh, some more resolution strategies that will watch this, put it in the comments section, let us know. You know, we would love to post those and give us your process. You know, we may not be thinking of something or that, but you can add on to that. But, but I promise you, if you don't have any process in place, start with those five that we just gave and build on that. And I promise you that you will be able to navigate through life a whole lot easier and navigate through your relationships as a leader, as I said, in any context of, of where you're in, um, that you are able to have a process in place. And a lot of times in order for us to positively uh, execute this process, we have to have emotional intelligence. Um, that is our read of the month this month is Emotional Intelligence 2.0 uh, by Travis Bradbury and Gene Greaves. A lot of times we talk about um, the IQ, the intelligence quotient, um, we don't talk about um, being emotionally sound, um, our emotional um, equilibrium, making sure that we are even keel on all of our emotions. Um, this book will definitely help you tune in and see where you are when it comes to um, that aspect. As always, we thank you. We ask you to subscribe again, please help us out and we would appreciate it if you subscribe to our YouTube channel, um, Unscripted Authentic Leadership. And when you watch the video, give us a thumbs up, give us a like, give us a comment, review, share this on our various social media platforms. Uh, our brand is, is all across the world. We're singular, Unscripted Authentic Leadership, and whether it's under the same name on every platform and even on our streaming platforms there, leave us a review. It helps us in the um, algorithm uh, to help us get a, a larger audience of exposure. We would appreciate that and connect with us there on our website, unscripted-leadership.com. We would love to connect and engage with you. And here it is, and collaborate with you. And so this has been another episode of the Unscripted Authentic Leadership Podcast. As always, we are here to build bridges and not walls. Bridges connect and walls divide. Until next time, we pray that you be the leader that God has called you to be. God bless you.